You're listening to the Missionary Perspective Podcast with veteran missionaries Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric. Well, good morning, Josh. How are you doing there in Senegal, West Africa? What is, uh, what is it like right now as Christmas season is in full bloom there for you guys? Yeah, it is coming together. We are getting closer to Christmas, of course, and our town put some decorations up finally the other day on the bridge. That's maybe the extent of decoration they do. <laughs> we got a few other places, <laughs> a few other areas that they'll decorate, but um, we probably have the most decorations in our house <laughs> and in our church. Of course, our church meets in our house at the bottom floor and Julie has this place decked out. Yeah, we're real excited. We've been uh, staying busy with Christmas decorations. And in fact, just the other day, last night and early this morning, we got some Christmas rain, which is rare this time of oh. year. Now we didn't get, it didn't turn into snow. Not snow. It wasn't cold enough, but it was a little sprinkling of rain. Best thing. And uh, so I, I told somebody the other day, as it was starting to sprinkle, I said, now, <laughs> if it turns into snow, I will convert into a full-fledged climate change activist. Okay. Like, uh. and I'll believe we got some, <laughs> something's weird going on. Snow but, in the desert. <laughs> yeah. So how are your guys? I know you guys have been busy. You've had several activities. How's it going there in the Dominican Republic? Well, as we record this today, this is a very special day because it's my anniversary, my and Holly's anniversary. Today we celebrate 16 years. And so uh, one of the things we didn't think about, we didn't think about when we planned uh, to get married in December was that now uh, we hardly ever get to celebrate on our, on our actual anniversary because we're always doing Christmas activities, but uh, very blessed and uh, so thankful for my wonderful wife and uh, very excited, 16 years and uh, hoping for many, many more decades of what is bliss. Well, excellent. Happy anniversary to you. And I, I really want to hear your story again. And I think you said maybe in February, this is a kind of a two month promo, but in February, I think you and your mm -hmm. wife will sit down and share your story. Maybe we'll have a special Valentine day uh, special and you can share your story. I'd like to share my story, how my wife and I got together and Maybe we'll reserve a podcast for that. And so uh, it's really unique how God put us together. I always tell missionary guys, um, you know, even if you're kind of a loser and you're not, you ain't got that good of looks, tell you what, you go into mission and God blesses with a beautiful, he'll give you a beautiful <laughs> wife. I'm telling you what. And so uh, I married way above my, my status there and God provided a wonderful wife. And I know your wife is wonderful and a great asset and blessing to the ministry there. In fact, just last night, my wife hosted a uh, Christmas cookie activity with ladies in the church. We told each lady to invite either a neighbor or a family member who's unsaved or they're unchurched. They haven't been to church for a while. And we asked one of the women in our church to give a testimony and a short gospel presentation. And the ladies just loved it. We had a wonderful time. It was uh, real exciting. They don't have a lot of Christmas activities unless we do it at the church. Um, and so we really had a great time doing that. Now, this Sunday, some of our listeners, you may put together shoebox gifts and send those out. 
We do that over here. We'll take the boxes. We order them every year. It's a great opportunity to get into areas that we might not have an opportunity to get into and share the gospel. So this Sunday night, we're going to be distributing some of those shoe boxes with neighborhood kids. And uh, we require that one adult accompanies the children and they're going to sit through. We just filmed two nights ago. Malik did a 20 minute presentation on what Christmas is all about the birth of Jesus and the reason Jesus came. And I'm, I'm editing that right now. And then Sunday night, we'll show that to all the uh, visitors who come uh, probably in the next two days from Sunday and Monday, Monday, we're going to go to a school and then a village and we're going to distribute gifts out there. And we're going to show the same film that we're putting together. So Sunday and Monday, we'll probably have about, I would say, between six, maybe about 600 people that have that um, that have not heard the gospel, probably directly, they're unsaved, that's for sure, that is going to have an opportunity to hear the gospel. And uh, because of these Christmas boxes opens up that door of opportunity. <clears throat> and so just want to say thank you to everybody who does that in the States and who who gives during that time of year, it does open up doors to share the gospel. And so uh, we're excited about that coming up. It's amazing how during the Christmas season, just a little bit of giving can really open doors and uh, affect people's hearts to be uh, really open to the gospel. So that's a great encouragement to hear and thank you for all those who participated. Well, I think we're going to get into part two of discussing mentoring national leadership and uh, working with national workers. We talked last week a little bit about some of the challenges and the blessings of cultivating national leadership, just like learning to adapt to a new culture when you become a missionary. Uh, there's a lot to learn and adapt to as you work with national leaderships, no matter what country you're in. Uh, and I think some places are definitely more challenging than, than others. Uh, some places there's more subtlety to the changes. I would say any American going to Canada, for example, may think that some of the ways that you work with people in the States is just going to translate to a Canadian mindset, but Canada is different than the States and any American pastor or missionary who's gone to Canada for a lengthy period of time will understand that there are differences and they can be more subtle in some places, places like Senegal, Dominican Republic. It's a little more apparent that there's different ways of thinking, different ways people learn, different ways people perceive things. And so part of national mentorship is really learning to understand not just how to communicate effectively the gospel, but it's learning how to understand the mindset, the worldview of a national leader. And a, a good mentor is going to be able to put himself in their shoes and really try to seek to understand the point of view that they're coming from. And so there are definitely challenges to that. Um, early on, as you're training guys, there can be a lot of miscommunication, um, a lot of difficulty in trying to get your point across. A lot of times what we would do is we would go through a series of teaching and then we'd maybe do a furlough or we'd be away for a while. And when we came back, we would try to test and see if what we were teaching or a new ministry that we started, if it was still functioning, it was a good indication that maybe what we had communicated that we wanted to accomplish 
was understood by the national leadership that we put into place. And so a lot of times you can explain to somebody like here in Senegal, you can ask somebody to do something and they'll nod along and say, yes, oh yes, oh, I understand when they have no clue what you're saying, because maybe you're not being very, yeah, and you're not being very clear in the way you're communicating. And one of the things in this culture is they don't want to shame you, especially if you have a higher status, you know, than they do. And by status, I don't mean um, you put yourself in that higher status, but it's just culturally, there are different status levels that people Mm -hmm. take education wise, social wise, you know, things like that. And so a lot of times a subordinate, if we want to use that word, you know, I don't like that, but somebody who's learning from you, a student will not correct a teacher. They'll just, they'll agree, especially if you're a foreigner. And so a lot of times we'll ask somebody to do something, they'll say yes. And then it never gets done. And that can be frustrating to the missionary who doesn't understand that the problem may not be the national you're working with, the problem may be your communication skills that you mm-hmm. haven't, you haven't communicated clearly what you're trying to get across. And they're just agreeing because they don't want to correct you because of your status. And so those are definitely some things. Do you kind of come across that? Um, how long did it take for you to figure out that when everybody agrees with me, it doesn't mean they actually understand what I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. And also, as you mentioned, sometimes when we go off the furlough, we try to train people up to do things the way we do them. Um, and then when we come back, we're like, man, that, that's not really how I had it in my mind. And so <laughs> right. the communication is obviously the key there. One of the things I was encouraged, one of the first kind of signs that we were getting somewhere in the ministry with training people was one time we had we were home on furlough. And when we came back, the gentleman who I had trained to be the song leader, and then, of course, at this time, this young Ari was there also to uh, lead the preaching and teaching um, because we actually had to leave. We, we couldn't come back uh, as quickly as possible because our teammates had to leave because their daughter had a brain tumor. And so <clears throat> there were these people who really weren't ready. For, we, we, didn't, we weren't re- sure if they were ready for this opportunity. But the neat thing was when we came back, the church congregation, very shortly after we got back, approached me and said, hey, you know, this gentleman who's leading the music in your absence, you know, he can, he's doing a really good job. You should let him sing more, you know? And I thought, well, hey, obviously the people saw that. And then the same with Ari. They said, hey, you know, Ari, he really preaches really well, teaches really well. You should give him more opportunities. And so that was the Lord's church kind of saying, hey, these guys have not only been trained, but they are, they have these talents, these abilities that God has blessed them with, and now they get to use them. And so that was the positive side of seeing you invested your time and effort into these people and, and, and the church was recognizing this. There are countless times when it didn't work. <laughs> no, for sure. But I think you bring up an important point <clears throat> that we are church planting missionaries and the church, the way God has structured the body of the church, it is to be led by a pastor, but God works through his church. Decisions are made collectively through the church. And you can see the spirit of God working through the church to confirm different decisions. Like in Acts 13, you have the elders in the church that confirm the apostles calling Paul and Barnabas to go out and preach. And the church approved that. They recognized as well as a collective whole, God's calling on their life. And I think that's an important point as a missionary to remember, you're not the only one gauging 
the effectiveness or the gifts that God has given somebody. Keep try to gauge the spirit of your church and the responsiveness of your church and the people in your church to those that you might prop up uh, in authority. Uh, whether it's teaching the word or leading singing or a Sunday school class, you really need to gauge how people are responding and how open people are. And that will help you gauge as well, whether or not you, you need to continue to invest in cultivating a national leader, because you may not be able to pick up on some of the nuances <clears throat> of either the weaknesses or the strengths that a national may have, but the people he's ministering to will. And so you got to learn to gauge that and uh, I think yeah that definitely a valid and very important point that you bring up one of the things that we did in structuring our church here and maybe this goes with maybe another if we did another podcast on cultivating a an indigenous church but I'll just touch on a little bit is we set up our church constitution and structured our church in a way that when a new missionary comes to our town, let's say a new family move in from the States and he's going to partner with us, it is not automatically assumed that he's going to take the role of a pastor in a church. He has to go through the same process as a national would in order to become a pastor in the church. And so while he's already approved to be a missionary, he's joining the church planning team. If he wants to be an official pastor of the Yakar Jusach, the Living Hope Baptist Church, he'll have to go through the same process that a national worker would. And so he'll be interviewed by the leadership of the church. Right now it'd be Pastor Malik and I, we would present him to the congregation and then it would be taken uh, kind of a, you know, we would gauge then the, the response of the congregation. And we did that because what we noticed is, and Pastor Malik brought this up, and again, this is where working with the national really is going to help you give insight. He's been a part of this church since he was a boy in the 90s. And he said, each time a mission, a new missionary came, they brought a new vision. They brought a new personality and they brought even a new direction. And the church would go through this transformation and change with the new missionary. And so once we've established that, okay, we have a national pastor now, I'm also a pastor in the church, but let's say we had to leave and another missionary family came to replace us. The church has a vision. The church has a direction that we've set. We've developed a culture in the church an identity with the church and that's not going to change with the new missionary rather than the new missionary coming in with his his vision to transform how the church is being done he's going to come in and plug into what's already there and use his gifts and his vi vision to supplement what god is already doing in the church not to radically transform its identity so that it's something new because membership would go up and down each time there was a new missionary. And so we've changed the structure of how the leadership is accepted, especially with a foreign missionary, because before it was just assumed, well, if you're a missionary at BIMI and you come and join our team, you're automatically a pastor in our church. And so we did that because we want this to be an indigenous church fully one day. And um, so that was a great insight from Pastor Malik that helped us kind of come up with this structure uh, in our church constitution so that the church where it is now will maintain its identity and its culture 
and continue to move forward with or without a foreign presence of a foreign missionary. And I think that's important, but. That's very biblical, very wise and uh, very sound uh, decision-making there. And I think I, I remember, well, I don't know who said it, but some missionary said it before and it was very wise. He basically said, uh, obviously someone with the right kind of character, but basically if you're doing something that a national can be doing, uh, you know, you shouldn't be. You know, the idea is that right. if uh, there's someone who's well-trained, who's got the proper character and is prepared to serve the Lord in that local New Testament church setting, then you shouldn't be doing it. And uh, that is, um, even if we think, sometimes think we can do it better, I think just having that culture and having that indigenous spirit is always going to be beneficial in church planning. Definitely. I agree. And I'll just put this plug in before we transition to kind of the structure of what we're going to talk about in this podcast, but I'll put a plug in. I think next week, because it's Christmas, we're not going to be recording a podcast. We might do a Christmas special uh, for Christmas day, but next, next Monday, we're going to uh, publish either next Monday or the Monday after will be an interview I did with Bob Mack, a missionary in Cote d'Ivoire and Ivory Coast. And he touches on a lot of that kind of where his ministry is and how, how he trains nationals. And so I think it's going to be a good follow-up to what we're talking about. So don't miss that one. Make sure you're subscribed. Excellent. Make sure you're following, whether you listen. Tell or, all your friends. That's right. Get the <laughs> word out because uh, we just, we feel this is going to be a blessing to anybody who listens to it, who loves missions, whether you're a missionary training to go to the field, it's your first term, you're a veteran missionary, or you support missionaries. Uh, I think this podcast will be a help. And so, yeah, get the word out, let everybody know. And uh, don't miss that interview with Bob Mag. It's going to be a great one. We got some great interviews lined up here in the coming future. I'm excited about them and uh, in sharing those with all of our listening audience, even if it is just our mom and dad who are listening. <laughs> and so, Thanks, mom. Yes. All right. Well, I wanted to today, um, I'm just going to talk a little bit more about the structure of how we train uh, national leadership. I'm going to talk a little bit about a program that we're developing right now. We as a family and as, as missionaries, we are now 12, 12 years into on the field work. We've been missionaries since 2008, raising support, language training, and we covered that in our podcast. We did our first term, and now it's been several terms. We've been here 12 years on the field. And we feel, Julie and I have talked about this a lot, that we're kind of in a transition now to kind of phase two of ministry. And we've decided to follow the model that many missionaries have followed, that we are going to, rather than, um, rather than launching out and starting a brand new work in another part of town or in another city, we're going to make our church here kind of our headquarters for our church planting initiative for branching out and planting churches throughout Senegal. So we feel that as foreign missionaries here, we're going to be far more effective training young men to start churches and sending them out and, and teaming up with them and, and going with them for extended periods of time to different regions Basically, we're following the pattern of the Apostle Paul. So we're going to train young men, we'll put teams together, and then we're going to go and get churches started 
where the doors open up throughout different parts of Senegal. And right now we're in the process of developing that, of getting trained and, uh, and getting a structure set in place for training. Now, we don't have a Bible Institute here. And so we're going to approach it by what, how do you train in a formal setting? How do you train young men for the ministry when you don't have a Bible Institute or a Bible college set up? Now, what are some of the options in the Dominican Republic, Eric? Are there, do you have a Bible Institute in your church? Uh, are there Bible Institutes available or is it mostly in-house training that you do? Let's say a 18 year old kid comes to you and says, I want to get some Bible training. I feel like God might want me to be a pastor. What do you tell him? So when we first got here, there were a handful of churches in the capital, maybe even more if I, if I was able to research more. But um, because the capital city has over 4 million people, which is about half of the island, um, that all the national strong churches are down there. There are a handful of Bible institutes, um, not any universities, you would say, but Bible institutes, some bigger than some smaller, and for generations have trained up men and very few cases have sent them far out into the island. That's why we're in the northern region. So, but, you know, in the last few years, especially with the better technology and now as a result of really what's happened with COVID, I think education around the world is changing. Uh, there are more options, let's say, online. So if there's an 18-year-old young man who has education or has, you know, uh, the ability to maybe pay attention and to be strong on homework, uh, there are options where they could do that. Now, the, the, the education system here, you know, when you go to, for the public education, let's say, is very low. And obviously in Africa, places like that, probably even lower. Mm -hmm. But um, so there, there's almost this have and have not. If you had uh, private education, you can, you can read well, you can communicate well, you understand how it is to take a project and develop it. So you're really kind of talking about the person's education level, but someone who's, who's educated to a certain degree, there are options. However, uh, I've noticed that there are certain influences as well that come in that um, some doctrine, uh, some other background influences. So uh, it really depends on the person. I like to do a lot of the beginning stages, the, the initial discipleship, uh, mm -hmm. learning the doctrines. Uh, but there are options available if someone wanted to go to the next level. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, we found that here too. There's definitely that informal training of uh, sitting down and just going through some basic doctrine, basic uh, Bible theology. And the more serious a candidate might be, a young man might be, the more serious we'll get about training. That's something I'd like to see here more developed is um, some more opportunities in French uh, to do online courses we're creating an online training ourselves that will be both in French and the Wolof language. That's going to be uh, part of our entire system that we're setting up here for training. And uh, so part of what we're doing is we're going to start with some of the men in our church. Pastor Malik already meets weekly with a couple men in our city that are younger, that want to learn to preach. He does some courses on preaching, on Bible doctrine. I'll do some teaching with them on Bible doctrine and teaching and things like that. And the two biggest things we emphasize when we're working with uh, somebody that we're training to develop them into a preacher, we emphasize 
the doctrines of, you know, what is the defining the church and defining the gospel. So we define the gospel, we define the church, and then we want to teach them how to interpret the scriptures in a, in, in a biblical and in a correct manner. If they can learn proper hermeneutics, how to interpret the scriptures, if they can define the gospel and define what the church is, once they've gone through those steps and they really have a good grasp of those three key pillars, then I think they're ready to launch out with the supervision of, of, you know, somebody uh, more mature Christian, but those are the three key things that we start with. So we're going to, all of our training seminars, everything revolves around one of those three themes, either defining the gospel, defining the church, or uh, teaching proper biblical hermeneutics so that there can be a proper interpretation and applications made of a biblical text as they're teaching. And so we're beginning with young men in our church and we're preparing right now. It's going to be a two week seminar. That's going to be an in-house seminar. And then that's going to be coupled with an online course that Malik and I are going to prepare, which is going to delve into more depth of each of those sessions on the church, the gospel, and uh, and proper biblical interpretation. And so here's kind of what we're doing. And if this is a blessing to somebody, maybe it'll help trigger some ideas for a missionary out there who also is trying to get ideas of how do I, how do I train people? Uh, we began a couple of years back doing a, a, a vast, extensive broadcasting online so we, some missionaries do radio ministries, we do social media, we've used Facebook, we've used Instagram, any platform out there that we can get the gospel out, we've been using. And um, I mentioned in a podcast before, even just a couple of days ago, I was looking at our statistics. And uh, just in the past year, since COVID started till now, so like a year and a half, it's almost been two years with this whole pandemic. So that's kind of where I gauge it, because when COVID started, that's when we really invested a lot more money into our promotion of our materials online. And that's where everything really began to explode with people watching and contacting us. We've probably in the past two years, our videos and teaching online has been viewed. I, I think it was around 7 million times was the last time I looked at um, wow. with about, we're just about at a hundred thousand followers on each of our, on our total Pot, you know, platform following. And so that's just in Gambia and Senegal. Those two countries are the two countries that we focus on. So you can imagine with over 6 million views, 7 million views with that many people following our pages, we get inundated with questions all the time. Many are Muslims asking questions about our ministry, about the Bible, but many are also believers. And some of those believers are in regions where there's no churches. And so one of the things I noticed as a missionary coming in, as we began to meet different believers around the country, is that there are many sincere believers scattered throughout the country, but there is a lack of good formal biblical training, training in biblical doctrine, training. So these are people that maybe they got attached to maybe a charismatic church, or maybe they got attached to a word of faith church or something else. They're sincere good believers, but they just haven't been taught biblical doctrine and biblical hermeneutics. And so they're, they're either weak in biblical doctrine, they're strong in faith, man, they believe Jesus, they love Jesus, but 
their faith is also weak because faith comes by hearing and hearing how by the word of God, you, you could say you have a strong faith in Jesus, but you don't have a strong, sturdy, firm faith unless it's being built on the foundation of the word of God. And if you don't have sound biblical doctrine and a proper hermeneutic to be able to interpret biblical doctrine, uh, then you're going to have a weaker faith. And so we notice there's just a dearth of good biblical teaching. And our heart is to help these people understand biblical doctrine. And it's my conviction because we've seen it happen. Somebody who comes from a different background, we would hold a seminar on biblical faith. So we do a yearly seminar on biblical faith. That's what we call it. A seminar on biblical faith. We don't call it a Baptist seminar. We just, we're doing a seminar on biblical faith because it's my conviction that when you understand biblical doctrine and faith, you'll pretty much line up with Baptist. Okay. But at the same time, there are a lot of Baptists that aren't Baptist, okay? They're not practicing biblical faith, especially here in Africa. So it's really, you know, titles are cheap, okay? It's, it's the core of what do you actually believe? And so we'll meet people who have, they carry the title of I'm part of this church, but they're not really part of it because they're still seeking to grow in their biblical faith. They just aren't finding it in the church they're a part of. And so what we've decided to do is uh, we, we, focus on these three principles. Now that we have people all across Senegal, that some are believers, we're going to invite them up to our city. And we're going to do a two week seminar. We're beginning to structure that seminar. So basically, what we do is through our social media, we'll initiate contact with a believer who might be interested. We'll introduce them to what we're calling the Yakar Jusach or the Living Hope Ambassador Program. And so the ambassador program is we take it from where Paul said, you are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. You represent Jesus. And it's our job to make Jesus known. And so we will invite Christians from different parts of the country to come to and join this ambassador program in order to become an ambassador for the Yakar Jusach ministry, which is a ministry of our church. Then they will need to go through this two-week training and we'll interview them. We'll figure out where they're at. And if, at the end of the two-week seminar, in-person training, if Malik and I feel confident that they are, um, they are open to growing more in biblical faith and doctrine, that they are, that they are, if there's, if they're not part of a church, then by the end of the two weeks, we would either have them consider joining our church if, if they come to understand Baptist doctrine and where we stand, and. Um, if they are part of a church, well, then we would have to find out kind of where that church is. Is that church, uh, you know, uh, Baptist? Is it, have, you know, biblical doctrine? Before we would do any kind of partnership, what we're looking at focusing on is training believers scattered throughout Senegal that aren't attached to any church, especially those that get saved through watching our materials and come to Christ. We want, they need a church. And so the goal is to bring them in, give them some basic training so that they can lead a Bible study. So we'll invite them to participate. We're going to do online instruction. Once they do some of the online instruction, they'll come up for this two-week seminar. Uh, a seminar will basically, like I said, we're focusing on defining the gospel, defining the church, and, um, and then teaching how to exegete the scriptures properly. 
And then we would train them. That would be week one. Week two, we're going to train them on how to conduct a Bible study. And so the way we're structuring our Bible studies is we will have a, they'll go through a chapter of the gospel, every Bible study. So they'll read a chapter together in their language, whether it's French, Wolof, uh, Manjak, whatever language they read it in, uh, they'll read the passage and then they'll show a film of Malik giving a uh, kind of an exhortation and explanation of the package, uh, passage. And then they will open it up to question and answers. And during that seminar, we're going to train them on how to respond to commonly asked question and answers. And we'll also teach them that if they're asked a question, they can't respond to, to write in the question to us, tell them, Hey, I'll find the answer. And uh, once, once we get them, you know, pretty well solid and ready to start a Bible study in their region where there is no church, then we'll go in and put a team together from our church and we'll go in with two or three guys and we'll go into their region and maybe spend two weeks in their town and we'll assist them in the launching of a Bible study. And uh, just kind of, once they have a group of, you know, two or three, at least two or three other unbelievers and even believers that are gathering, then we'll bring a team in and we'll begin. And part of this ambassador program as well, once we find young men and women, young men specifically, that can lead these Bible studies, they're going to be our point of contact for other unbelievers who reach out to us online. So let's say it's in a city 100 miles from us, and we have a non-believer say, hey, I've been watching your videos online. I'd like to know more about Jesus. We, if they live in the same region where one of our ambassadors who've been trained lives, then we can put them in contact with them and they can have a face-to-face -face meeting. So we can always have follow-up with those who are asking questions and seeking. And, and the goal, the ultimate goal, obviously, is to get churches started in these regions. And so right now we're in the early stages of formulating all that, um, we're going to be putting all of that together. We're going to create in technology. There's so much you can do with technology. We'll have uh, Facebook groups and WhatsApp groups with our ambassadors that they can write in questions and discussions and give updates and prayer requests. And really our goal is we're not creating a denomination, but we want to create kind of a, a family where that we are all part of the same team. We're, we're planting local churches, but that, that is so important in this country that individuals feel a part of community because when a somebody gets saved, that's the first thing they lose is community. That's the first obstacle to overcome is that I'm going to lose my relationship with my family. I'm going to get kicked out and shamed and all of that. And so we want to create this community that, that people feel they're a part of something bigger than themselves. They're a part of this community of believers. And then if you want to use a, a worldly term, our branding of Sunni Yakar and Yakar Jisak, the Living Hope brand, our logo, because we're so extensive online, it's a recognizable brand so that if we set up a Sunni Yakar or Yakar Jisak Bible reading room in a part of town where there's nothing, people already know that name. So it's not something, it's, it's something familiar because they've been, they've seen us online. Like I, I have a personal page that I've been doing videos in Wolof and like 
talking about life here. And because it's a white guy talking in, in Wolof, I've had like, I've had like three or 4 million views on all my videos of just me. This is my personal page that is here in Senegal. And I'm not kidding. Like every day I go out into town and somebody stops me and says, Hey, you're down to two, Bob. Uh, you're down to the white. My name is David, the white guy on my page. My middle name's David. So I go by Dauda. They'll stop me and say, Hey, I saw your video, man. I, I love it. I love what you're doing and Wolof and this and that. So it's recognizable. And already that opens a door to start sharing why we're here. And so there's that familiarity using the online platform that when somebody, when we say, Hey, you're interested in a Bible study, we're up in San Luis, we're 100 miles from you, but we do have a contact who's a part of our, our program. And uh, we'll put you in contact And when they meet them, they're going to have the Yakarju Sak shirt on, they're going to have all our materials. And so it'll be familiar. So they, they'll, there'll be a comfort there that uh, a little more openness. So I'm excited to see where this is going. I know I went kind of along wow. with without having you cut in or anything, but I did that because I just extensive. Right. I wanted to share that. So that's, that's where we're at right now. So if a pastor in the States who's supporting us or was going to support us, say, Hey, what are you guys planning on doing over the next couple wow. of years? That's basically where we're at. I, I would say in the next 10 years, this is a 10 year program where I think in the next 10 years, we'd like to see several churches and Bible studies started throughout Senegal with several young men trained and that over the next decade is what really our emphasis is going to be in developing uh, this program. And so I'm excited about it. That's that's what I wanted to share a little bit in this podcast, kind of the structure. Now, I know you have some things you wanted to speak about your end on some of your structure of uh, doing mentoring, unless you had any questions or anything else you want to bring up. Well, I'm gonna, I, I think give you the floor now. to my side, I think that is... Um... I think you were saying this basically makes you, you tell me if I'm wrong, but it's interesting how the Lord took probably a lot of our times in meditation and pausing during COVID, or at least the beginning when we had lockdowns. And I think I know, for example, lots of missionaries, um, truthfully, who it was very difficult to maybe think outside the box. Like you've done it, you've done it one way for so long that when we had to kind of twist the, the Rubik's cube in a way and, right. and be different, it was very difficult. And so I'm always excited to see how people can creative, creatively see a new way to reach out. And I think probably even you as someone who has been so techno technologically uh, driven and, um, just an interest in your life for so long and probably overwhelmed the idea that you can reach 7 million people in such a, a short amount of time. Right. And so I think that is something that even in the new, this next 10 years, that is uh, what the Lord probably wants us truly to do is take the time to sit back and say, all right, we have these tools. How can we properly use them to right. disseminate the God's word and then to start local New Testament churches. So that's very exciting. I look forward to seeing even how now how the Lord has given you this kind of vision. As we know, visions always tend to mold and change and form. Right. And it'd be very exciting to see how the Lord uh, changes, directs those paths and, and allows things to pop up and the developing of leadership. It's uh, very exciting to, to know that you can, you can touch literally a whole country or multiple countries that way. Absolutely. And you brought up that point. That was one thing that I thought was awesome. A great product of the whole COVID lockdowns of last year is mm -hmm. everybody 
And I, it was really neat to see, especially in the independent Baptist world, where sometimes we're a little more hesitant to embrace a new technology that as soon as everybody went into lockdown, the priority is engaging people. That's what I love about the independent Baptist church. Okay. The, the priority is engaging souls with the gospel. Okay. And so when they went into lockdown and we were forced to disengage with con con connecting with people, uh, pastors and churches immediately transitioned into the whatever medium was available to get the gospel out as quickly as possible. And so I was excited to see how many churches who maybe five years ago, they would have been preaching against Facebook that now they're live streaming their services. <laughs> and obviously we want oh, to get, boy. we want to get in-person meeting. And let me emphasize that our goal with our social media outreach is to ultimately make an it face-to-face -face meeting with a seeker, with somebody who's seeking Jesus. Um, this is not an ends in and of itself doing, using these tools. Right. You mentioned it. These are tools. Every worker has his tools. Some have specialized tools. Some have generic tools. And this is just some, some specialized tools that we are using as a means to accomplish the goal of glorifying Jesus, making Jesus known, and seeing his church established uh, in, in the way that glorifies him. And so, yeah, that that really is our, our objective here with this work here. And so I'm excited just to see how the Lord has used your church already to see other churches started and uh, how you've mentored some men already, how God has brought different men to you. Um, and I think a big part of this, and let's, uh, you can get into sharing some of yours. I think a big part of, of being a church and being a missionary who, who God will use to mentor other men and to start other churches, I think it starts with being a church and being a missionary who is a model of Jesus Christ. In other words, be, and we told this, we tell our church this all the time, be a church that is worthy of the Lord so that when the Lord has somebody he wants to see saved and, and mentored, he'll direct them our way. Be a church that's worthy to receive those who we can train. Of course, we need to go out and search for lost souls, but sometimes God will guide people your way that um, if you're not if you're not disciplined with your training and you're not walking worthy, there's no reason for God to bring them your way. He'll go bring them, take them to somebody else who will train them. And so be the missionary you're to be, walk with the Lord and have a strategy in how you're going to approach training. And God will bring in the right, just like he said in the book of Acts, the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. As we're faithful preaching the gospel and reaching souls, the Lord's going to bring in the right souls. We need to be worthy of receiving those whom the Lord will add and bring to us. And uh, so why don't you share a little bit about some of the structures and your, your approach? You had, you had a few things you wanted to share. Let's. Yeah, so you know, one of those things is we talked in some of the earlier podcasts, we kind of brought everyone up to speed to, you know, planting the church and evangelizing and, and uh, some in as far as um, church, church planning with other nationals. But but really, in, my, in our ministry now, we're approaching 13 years on the field as well. And the first, I'd say, five to six years really was getting the church started, seeing new people trust in Jesus Christ, discipled, um, in our case, on a practical sense, buying property, building an actual physical church. 
But really, about the five, six, seven year mark, the Lord really started impressing upon my heart the need to really develop the men in the church. And uh, we were blessed to have a number of families, structures, and that took a long time too. Let me just say that too. That, that, that's not something that's assumed. Uh, the first four years of our church, I don't remember a time where we had more than two or three complete uh, nuclear families, if you will, mom, dad, kids. And so about four or five years in, we got an influx of families, um, mom, dad, and the, and the children. So really felt the burden to really develop these men as husbands, fathers, leaders in the community and the church. And so we actually had an interaction with a well-known preacher. A uh, bunch of pastors were together in a meeting. And he was known for his expository preaching, but also for leading and training men. I remember asking him um, how he did that. Even now, he's been a pastor more than 50 years, and he specifically uh, explained how he did it in his church. Was every Saturday morning he invite any man in the church to come, and he would teach every Saturday the men basically uh, church doctrine and uh, doctrine from the Bible. And really, it didn't matter if it was a future pastor, Sunday school teacher, or just a layman in the church. He really brought the, the bottom level of their education to a higher level as far as the Word of God. And I thought that's a really, really smart um, strategy to have to just invest your life in the men. And so in the, the way that we do it, uh, most uh, notably, is through our weekly men's Bible studies. Now, there have been times when we had more men coming than others, but really intentionally... Uh, there's so many other ministries in the church, and besides the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God, my I'd say probably my second priority is investing my life in the men of the church, the fathers, uh, the, the young men specifically, I'm discipling three young men right now personally and, and really have high hopes for them. And so really taking that time to um, not only see those who look as maybe future pastors, obviously that will kind of draw ourselves to the priority. We see someone has the, the ability, the character, the possibility, the education to possibly be another a pastor and church planter. We will invest our time in that. But just also seeing men who maybe from disqualification or maybe from the age or education level will never be a preacher, but boy, they can sure be useful in the church. And also they need to train their own children up. And so some of the ways we have implemented training, I'm going to blow through these very quickly, but number one, and this sometimes we assume as we're talking in our podcast is something that is uh, assumed, but I don't know how it is in Senegal, but just assuming that a man comes to your church and that's going to be faithful uh, is not always the case. Uh, we have many people who come and go. Uh, they're on the fringes of the church, and that sometimes can take many years just encouraging a gentleman to be faithful to the Lord's house. You know, we can't go to the next level of training in anyone's lives if they're not already faithful to a faithful church member, saved, uh, baptized, and they need to grow in the Lord. And the number one way you grow in the Lord is being faithful to the preaching of God's word. And, and that's key. We haven't talked a lot about this. I'm sure we'll have some podcasts as we drill down further, but I am a big proponent as most um, strong uh, church planning missionaries, I believe, are in expository preaching, you know, preaching through the Word of God, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And that is probably the number one way you will train people in your church, is them understanding how the Word of God is to be received and applied in their personal lives. You can't skip that. And I know we are kind of already assuming that on a certain level, but I think it, it's important to reiterate that, that 
we can only invest in people who are truly faithful Christians, faithful with their families, bringing them to church, being uh, sitting under the Word of God, and, and then be discipled. You know, what we can have another program, another uh, episode where we talk specifically about some of our discipleship materials. But really, intense Bible study, really, as we've talked before, filling in the holes uh, doctrinally, so many people do come from other backgrounds. It's very rare in our context. Now, you live, you live in a Muslim country. It's different. But in, in the Western Hemisphere, where there are so many different flavors of church, there's so many bad ideas, uh, just redirecting them to God's Word through an intense discipleship, which opens the door to just more discussion, to fill in those holes doctrinally, to let them understand. Now, after we kind of get to that stage, and let me just say... For the missionary that's listening who's saying, boy, I, I don't have three men that have got to that stage. It, it does take time. It does take time. There, this, is not a, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It takes time. You have men, you, you get to certain levels, and then they, they fade away. You stay faithful. The Lord will send people in your lives. There are people who come back. We've seen this many times. People who come back after you've invested. There's a young man who... I, early on, I mean, the first year or two of the church, I was investing much time in classes in. And then he got a job and went off to another city, and he stayed in contact. I haven't seen him much. He just showed up at church last week with a family, three kids, and it looks like he's ready to move back to our area and wants to get involved in church again. And hopefully we can pick up the pieces again and go forward. And I know that that time we spent with him 10 years ago wasn't wasted. You know, he's, he's chosen and made a lot of right decisions. And so... That, that, those are two things we talk about that just seem so simple. Faithfulness to church, discipleship, but boy, they are really, really important. You can't skip over those steps, especially if you're looking at future ministry. Then I would say is practical opportunities. That's allowing them to use what they're learning in the context of the church. It can be short devotionals. It can be testimonies. It can be singing songs. It can be serving, uh, obviously, in evangelism. It can be serving at the front door as a greeter, uh, helping you out in any way. Just using their talents and abilities to serve the Lord will build um, character, but also build enthusiasm about being part of God's work. And so that's another way we, we build. Now then we're ready to go with you have a faithful person who's been discipled and wants to serve. Then you can get into the specialized training. Now we can have a podcast where we talk more about that. I really do believe with the openness now of technology that you, especially in a language, if it's French or Spanish, some more uh, languages like that, you can have many more opportunities to include other pastors and missionaries around the globe. Uh, one of the missionaries I have an interview coming up in the next few weeks, he's, he's developing um, um, college courses with other missionaries all over the world in Spanish language so he can use with his guys in there. With that said, with that said, even though that is the way of the future, and I'm for that, in fact, I did some of my own training in Bible college was through online uh, technology like that, the best teaching is still one-on-one -on -one or in a classroom setting with multiple students as we know that. But... It's also important to hear other voices, and we know that, and I think the world has opened up, especially post-COVID, in so many ways, technology-wise, that we can invest in our uh, men in our church who are training, have, have multiple voices, that's another point. Uh, even if we're saying the same thing, it's, uh, it's encouraging. Those of you who went to Bible college knew it was better to have multiple professors here it's the same thing, and it really encourages those who are learning in the Lord, but also willing, willing to adapt. Understand. I don't know how it is in Senegal, but in our case, people who come to our church come from such diverse 
education backgrounds. And there, there are guys who, um, they, 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 can, they can hardly read. I'll just say it that way. And so you have to go slower with them. You have to be able to actually teach them things like basic education while they're getting these principles from God's Word. And then there's other guys who are ready to go like this. And so you have to take your education biblically and adapt it to their education secularly. Now, with that said, I, I want to put a big parenthesis in here. As, as we hear Josh's, really this amazing vision he has, and as we drill down sometimes in our local New Testament setting, I heard a missionary talk one time, a former missionary to Peru, and he said something that's always stuck with me, and I've never uh, tried to get away from this. And he said something to this effect. It's not, this, it's not verbatim, but this is the idea. He said, make it your goal, as you're training nationals, to make them all theologians. And what I mean by that is sometimes we have this idea, or, or it's an it's a observation that seems like it's true, maybe it's not true, that we feel like, well, in America, you know, we, we go to four years of undergrad, we have seminary, we get our, we get our uh, doctorate sometimes. You know, to, to preach to the congregations of America, you have to have education like this. But, you know, for a national, we only need to tell, you know, teach him John 3.16 and the Great Commission and give him a Bible and he's good to go. And that's, that, that's going to build terrible churches. You know, our mindset should be the best we can. We're going to continue to train theologians. Now, there may be a point where we feel comfortable we can launch them out to start a Bible study like Josh is talking. But really, the training never stops. It's like your kids. You, you have 18 years or so to, to train them in your home, but when they go out, you don't set them out and say, oh, I'm never going to tell you another thing to help train you. As a good parent, you need to continue to try to help your child uh, grow and be trained in God's Word and apply it. And that needs to be the same way. And so as we transition in ministry from launching churches out here in the Dominican, our roles have changed to be more mentoring. And even though Pastor Elias and Pastor Ari are, are leading churches autonomously, um, we are integrated in their lives, continuing to try to help them learn and gain more knowledge. And so, that, but that goes for all the men in the church. And then, you know, this is the one thing I'm going to kind of finish up here. Include other men in your journey. When we had formalized training for Pastor Ari, Pastor Elias, I always tried to have other men in the classes. Uh, I tried to have other guys learning as much as they could. And one of my greatest um, satisfactions as a missionary was in our last furlough when we left for six weeks, we had five different men that we were a part of their training teach or preach lessons. And, you know, some were short lessons, some were simple Bible studies, but I was very proud of the fact that these men were so uh, encouraged in God's Word and trained up and, and desirous to share God's Word. And, and three or four of those guys are never going to be pastors, but they're excited of what they've learned in our men's Bible studies and our specialized training that they feel like they have a part in God's church that they can help edify the believers. And that, that is a change. I think maybe early on I, I envisioned my men training only to be to those who are going to be future pastors. And now that I see that, wow, to have families that love God's words. There, there are men who come in who have been divorced three or four times, have different backgrounds, different families, and they're, they're not the ideal. They're not going to be the person that's going to be the church planter. But God has transformed their lives, and they have so much to show another young man and how he can maybe get, get, 
go the Lord's path and never uh, go down these wrong paths, but also can be an example of God's grace. And so those are some of the practical steps of how we train. Now, we know, Josh and I, once again, want to reiterate, this is the Missionary Perspective Podcast. This is our experience. We have some wonderful interviews that are coming up with guys who've done things, uh, I won't say differently, but, you know, the Lord directed them in different steps. We're giving you how the Lord is directed. We don't come to you saying this is the only way. But this is how the Lord is blessed, and it's exciting for us to share this. And we, we look forward to those who can respond and say, hey, this is how God uh, similarly took steps in our lives. Or, boy, we had a completely different experience. Let me tell you about that, because that's what encourages us, how God can use all of our tools, circumstances, personalities to edify his church and to really see it grow uh, throughout the world. Absolutely. And I, I like what you said about your perception early on that I would mostly be investing my time in mentoring future pastors. And it turns out that you're going to be investing and pouring into teaching doctrine to everybody. And every activity in the church should, you know, revolve around getting the word out and, and getting people to walk in the word. I was reading, Julie and I are going through first John right now. And, um, here, here's what John says in first John chapter one, he said that, which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon our hands have handled the word of life. This is real. We, we saw Jesus. He walked with us. And he said, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested unto us that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Okay. So now they're, they're preaching the gospel with others. They're sharing and writing down what they saw, what they heard, what Jesus taught. And he said, we declare this to you that you might have, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, the word of God, the written word is given to us that our joy might be full. And you think about that, you're not just teaching doctrine, you're teaching people to walk with Jesus. And when they know Jesus, by knowing sound doctrine, by walking in the word, then they find true joy and true satisfaction and the church collectively grows in the maturity of Christ. And so you will never fail centralizing every activity you do around the word of God and, um, you know, have men's prayer breakfasts, have ladies outings and make it get the word of God involved in helping people to walk with knowing Jesus and getting the gospel out. It's not enough to just gather together and sing about Jesus. You can sing praises, but so many churches just emphasize that worship aspect to the detriment of the teaching of the word of God. It's one thing to sing about Jesus, but if you don't know him by a steady <laughs> diet of the word of God, uh, then it's just empty <laughs> rambling. And I'm not trying to impugn anybody's motives in they're singing to the Lord. But what I'm saying is, that, yeah, you have to have individuals in your church built on the foundation of the word of God. And uh, you'll see a church form and your church will then expand, plant other churches and, and God fulfills his mission. And so, yeah, it's, it's a blessing and privilege to be a part of what God is doing in this part of the world. We just wanted to come here and plug into what God is doing and find out what works here. I know that's what you guys are just, you had one mindset going in and then you, 
you're like clay. You get, you let God mold you as it goes and what works and how God wants to do ministry through you. You let him do it. And every ministry is going to look differently, but at the same time, it's the same because the heart of it is letting, making Jesus known and building lives on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me add this too. One of the things I'm passionate about is not only the churches we've, we've planted, which are just you know, the three we've been a part of, but really missions in general in our region. And Josh has got a, a huge vision for his area. But when we first arrived here in the northern area, there were basically within an hour or two, no other churches, one other missionary couple. And in the last 10, 10, 15 years now, we have a network of probably 12 different churches. And we weren't integral in, in sending all these people. But as those missionaries decided to come to those areas, and sometimes we were helpful in, in their survey trips, um, we have gotten behind those missionaries, really encourage them in any way we can. And not everybody's going to be your stripe, but if they're preaching the gospel uh, clearly and the sound doctrine, um, it shows your people that you are pro-Jesus and pro-church when you get behind people. Mm -hmm. And even if you aren't putting it in your prayer letters as your church, that's just ridiculous. You want to be behind uh, seeing New Testament churches grow up in your region and do whatever you can to encourage those pastors, invest in them as well, sometimes financially, sometimes just with time, sometimes resources, and uh, really show your people that you're all about church planting and the gospel getting across their country. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, I think we've come to our end of time here. And if you've been watching us on YouTube or Facebook, if you made it to the end, God bless you. Hey, God bless you, first of all. But would you go ahead and hit that share button and share it to your homepage? That'll help get more exposure and then like it and maybe leave a comment. Uh, let us know your thoughts on the podcast. If you're a missionary, Tell us a little bit about uh, your, your experience and uh, some of your thoughts. We always enjoy it when a missionary or uh, somebody, anybody really, will leave a comment. Let us know uh, your thoughts. Let us know if you have any other topics or themes you would like us to share. And uh, if you follow us on, podcast, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, we're trying to get it out there on as many platforms as we can. So be sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment, five-star review. You know the deal. You know the drill. Just get the word out there. And uh, we'll try to just see what the Lord will do uh, through this podcast as we continue to share our heart's desire, which is to share life on the mission field and work of the ministry from the missionary perspective. And so this is Josh Mead from Senegal, West Africa, signing off. Eric Johnson from the Dominican Republic. God bless everyone. God bless. Great.